0: This is Ananin Kaike, and welcome to Voice of the Water Lily, an exploration of our ancestral music over the last 100 years intertwined with a historical and personal perspective. We will be exploring Latin music, more specifically salsa, Latin jazz, Cuban music, and Puerto Rican music. We are going to go deep into the history, learn about the seminal artists, as well as the artists that never received recognition, and we're going to add a personal touch through memories and anecdotes. Espero que disfruten mucho! Con mucho, mucho cariño. This is Ananin Kaike and you are listening to Voice of the Water Lily. Como mi gente? In today's show we will be looking at one of the most important and innovative groups of post-revolutionary Cuba. I'm talking about Los Bambam. Bam. Their innovation and contributions change the face of Cuban music forever. We'll hear all about the beginnings of the band, how they created timba and songo, their importance, and how timba is not just Cuban salsa, but its own very distinct genre before we get into the into all of these topics and into the show we are going to hear a, a wonderful song from
1: by Bamba. Que parou, je vais, je vais, que me fasse vencedor. Je vais, que me fasse vencedor. Un palo vencedor Mi palo, palo del Caribe Pa' vale pues lo matriburó Mi palo, palo pa' que aprenda a Respetar al Salvador Que palo, palo, palo es eh? Que palo, yeah Que palo Que palo Que palo, va.
0: So there we just heard Los Bamban with Que Palo Es Ese. Now I'm going to tell you a little bit about them and how they started. How did this iconic and, and, and pivotal Cuban band start? Well, in 1967, Juan Formel, who was a bassist and vocalist, became the musical director of Elio Reves Charanga Orchestra, Orquestra Reve. And that was later reformed into Changui 68. And then from there, Formel went on to lead one of the most legendary mutinies in Cuban uh, music history. And what happened was he basically, a a lot of the musicians from Reves, Orquestra Rivera, at that point Changui 68, went and formed a band with Formel. Because uh, Elio Reves, for all his musical genius and all of his innovation and his importance in Cuban music... Was not the easiest guy to work with. So a lot of his musicians, when Formel came to them with this idea of starting a new band, they kind of jumped at that idea. And so that's how Los Bambang were were started. And he starts to create a sound, a, a sound that he first, at first people were saying that he was copying Elio Reve. However, Formel goes on to develop his own sound that he termed Songo. And Songo is like the predecessor of timba we're going to talk about timba later and the thing was was that for mel's music was very very different than anything else that was going on in cuban music at the time but i'm going to tell you how after we get back from this next song canta a la ceiba So there was Canta a la Ceiba. Now I'm going to tell you why Los Bamban was so important and so different from all the other bands. First of all, they broke a lot of the conventions when it came to harmony and later clave, which was like sacrilege in Cuban music. You don't stray from the clave. And Los Bamban started doing that. I'm going to go more into that a little bit later. Also, a percussionist by the name of Jose Quintana, better known as Chang. Uh, Changuito added a more rock like montuno that could be repeated over and over without tiring. And so he also revolutionized a conga and timbales technique, which became very unique to Los Bamban, even though they're not the ones who invented it. And then in 1980, there's even a bigger shift in the band. And Formel added trombones to this charanga lineup because the band had been uh, basically a charanga lineup with with a lot of innovations. However, they were charanga. They didn't. It was a flute and violins band. And he adds a trombones, which is so interesting because he is, again, not the first one to do this, to add a trombone to a charanga lineup. Of course, we know there's others that did that before him. Uh, Eddie Palmieri being a famous example. At the same time, however, Elio Reve was doing that and adding the trombones to the charanga lineup as well. So again, there was this talk that Formel was copying his old boss, Reve. And then in 1982, Changuito, again, he's such an important figure in Cuban music, especially in this post-revolutionary period. He added these altered timbales to the band. And this, after this, after 1982, you start to get international attention of Los Bamban and by 1984 they had really exploded in different parts of the world and they had started to get a lot of recognition outside of cuba the format also is, is very important because they also changed the format quite a bit remember they starting out with a charanga format because that's what orchestra Reve, which who most of those musicians had come from where it was a charanga orchestra so they had this flute violins and rhythm orchestra which was the charanga orchestra then the trombones get added and then later on we have synthesizers added and Formel Juan Formel is the first first person in Cuba to start using synthesizers and electronic music in Cuban music this is again hugely revolutionary I mean it was such a new idea uh and it was like it was it was really so different than what anyone had ever heard and And that sound, that new innovative sound that Formel and Los Bamban created really is enduring because to this day, Los Bamban are still the most popular dance band in Cuba. Their legacy has endured, their music has endured, and they as a a band continue to play more than 50 years after their founding. I'm going to tell you a little bit more exactly about what timba is after we come back from another song. No es fácil que no se no. So there was no es fácil que no se no. Now I'm going to tell you a a little bit about timba because it's very important to to talk about a lot of times we have a misnomer. And this is something that I actually believed for a while, too, that timba was kind of like the it was like salsa cubana was Cuban. salsa it was a Cuban version of salsa. And as I looked more into it, as I did more research, I realized that that's completely a misnomer. It's really an incorrect idea. Because uh, while salsa is based in son, mostly in son montuno, timba is based in a lot of rumba, bata, the music of santeria. All of that is, is is the basis, more of more based in rumba than it is in son. So that's a very big difference between the two styles as well. Also, in timba, you will always see a bass drum and a trap drum. And that is something you don't see in salsa. We now there are some similarities. Of course, it usually has the same tempo range as salsa. However, in timba, they actually moved away from the clave, or they and a lot of people will term it cruzado because they say, "Oh, the the clave is crossed. It's wrong," and. A lot of the musicians, the timba musicians, will say that they just take liberty with it. And sometimes they'll move away from it and add it where it fits and leave it out where it doesn't. And it gives them a lot more freedom in their music. That, and they really broke away from convention completely. This, of course, caused a big drama in Cuban music. Because you have the people that thought it was sacrilege to cross the clave. Or to, to to at times, when it was inconvenient, they just ignored the clave completely. And you do hear that in timba. And so there were people in the Cuban music community that thought this was sacrilege. How could you uh, step away from the clave? And they thought it could not be done. Now, Los Bamban and a lot of the other by musicians, because there's so many other bands that I will be talking about in the future, because there's so, so many that did so much innovative work. And all of those bands that did that, they were able to show, yeah, we can move away from the clave and this music can still have that swing, still have that rhythm and, and you know, still be really, really exciting and danceable. They actually proved that they were right in that assertion that they that you could move away from the clave, and even though some people termed it crusao, they prove that you can move away from the clave and still have a song that is you know absolutely it's an incredible you know songs that are incredible, very danceable, very exciting. And I find it very, very interesting because they were moving so far away from the conventions. They were really breaking out of the box, and maybe that's why Thingba made such a big impact, uh, especially in Cuba. And because they were they were so willing to try new things. First of all, they're adding a lot of rock and soul harmonies as opposed to more of the Cuban ones. They're moving more towards rock and soul harmonies in their music, and this is this was huge. I mean, they were willing to to combine other types of music into their style and just really really be open to, to new things and really innovate and that's what's in so incredible about them we're gonna get to a couple more songs let's start out with con el destino no se puede So there was two incredible songs, Con El Destino No Se Puede, and then we went into Sandunguera, one of their best-known and biggest hits. I mean, that became an international hit, and it really, really added to their recognition around the world because it's an incredible, incredible song. But it's something else I wanted to mention, something that always caught my attention about Los Bambam. They have this really, really rhythmic sound. I mean, the swing is incredible, the rhythm is always on point, and it's very driving, the rhythm of it. However, I love how they did not abandon the charanga completely because you still always hear violins in the song. And I think that's so great when you have this really, really strong rhythmic music and then kind of juxtaposition with those violins. It's just really, really incredible to me. I think it's amazing. And it's a great technique that they employ there. And it just makes this music so, so exciting. But there's something else that I want to bring up, a really, really interesting uh to me this is very very interesting in cuba i would like to mention that there is very very little to really know salsa in cuba what we term salsa i mean some people seem to find this shocking for some reason but they say oh there's no salsa in cuba how could that be well salsa just to be clear is a phenomenon that arose from new york where all these incredible musicians were coming together uh cuban musicians puerto rican musicians especially puerto rican musicians and mixing it with well first of all their traditional music and what was already here and that's a whole long long conversation as to what is salsa how did it come about that whole history because it goes way way further back than people even acknowledge um and how the groundwork was laid for that way before you know before the the salsa explosion it it, there's there's just so much to talk about there however this is a phenomenon that comes out of the united states it comes out of new york that's where salsa comes from and to give a little bit of history there the embargo against cuba really stopped the music that was going back and forth from Cuba to the US especially from Cuba to the US and also to another extent from the US to Cuba it cut that off completely so music in Cuba began to develop and they were developing their own styles and they were doing so much um, really innovation at the same time where salsa is being created in New York now as I mentioned earlier it's a misnomer to say that timba is Cuban salsa is salsa cubana and I hear that sometimes and it was something that I actually thought for a while And however, salsa is not something that you hear in Cuba. And it's not that shocking when you look at the history, because first of all, there's an embargo that really cut off a lot of the music that was going back and forth between the the U.S. and Cuba. Now, that's a whole other thing, because the embargo really, really did affect music, especially here, especially uh, in the U.S. It really did affect the music and the influences that the musicians were picking up. So I just find it important to say, it's not that shocking. There isn't salsa, what we call salsa in Cuba. That's not what exists. But their, their equivalent, we could say that their equivalent is timba. But it's not Cuban salsa. And salsa is not, it never was, and it still is not a big deal in Cuba. But to continue, there's an, also something else that I wanted to mention. And I think this is really, really interesting. It's kind of ties into some other conversations that I've been having especially with Aurora Flores and shout out, huge shout out to her because she helped me realize this and really told me about this. A huge, a terrible thing that happened to, to the music here was that music was taken out of the schools by Reagan. And she always talks about this. And I had never even thought about this before we started talking about it. And she brought it up and she always talks about this. And I find it so incredible and important to talk about. The music was taken out of the schools in the United States. And this was a huge, huge mistake. And in, a, and in a very, very clear way, you see the, first of all, you see a, a lack of respect and emphasis on the music, on the actual instruments, on the, the talent and virtuosity of the musicians. And you see a real, real, I'm sorry to say, but devolution inside of our music. In Cuba, however, just the opposite was happening because in Cuba, And say whatever you want about the government there. And no matter what your opinion is about the revolution, there are some simple facts. One of those facts is that there are high-quality government-run music schools. So the musicians in Cuba are highly trained, okay? They really do... They study music there. There is access to music education in a way that it is that it that is much harder in the United States. And so I think it's very important. So say what you want about the Cuban government, if you know whether you support it or not. A simple fact is that the musicians there are highly trained. They have access to music education. They have access to really, really, really good music schools there, that are run by the government, and that are free for everyone. Okay, And this is very important. And I think it shows through the music in Cuba because the music in Cuba to this day continues to evolve, continues to move forward while here. And I'm sorry to say I'm going to say it straight out. The music is moving backwards because what we call salsa has completely, completely gone backwards, you know. And I really, really agree with Aurora when she says ever since they took the music out of the schools, that's when everything started to fall apart. And I wanted to mention that. Because I find it very important, and I find it important to really note that and show the juxtaposition between what's happening here with our music and what happens in Cuba and how they continue to move forward. They continue to evolve. But I'm going to stop talking and we're going to get to another song, El Buena Gente.
1: Le preste 10 pesos al sobrino de Vicente. Si tu vecina quiere hacer algo, con pollo y necesita que tú le prestes los ingredientes. Si yo los tengo, los resuelvo urgentemente. Ya te lo dije que yo soy muy buena gente. See
0: We just heard two songs, El Buena Gente, and then moving on to Esto Te Pone La Cabeza Mala. Two great songs from Los Bamban there. We're going to get to some more. Uh, This is from, this is some of their work. This is from the early 2000s. This is an album that actually won them a Grammy. And this is Permiso Que Llegó Bamban. This is the title song of that album. You can hear really a lot more of that. Examples of what I was talking about with the synthesizer and all of that. You hear a lot of that in Los Bamban's music. However, unlike here, and this is just my opinion, but unlike here where that led to a devolution of the music where then they started to bring in the synthesizers and you have it moving away from real instruments. They've combined the synthesizers and they've kind of used them as a tool while keeping the tradition, keeping the instruments, keeping the rhythm, and not forgetting about the virtuosity of the musicians. And so they've actually shown how you can have both. How you can have that synthesized music, but you also keep that tradition. You keep that music. We're going to hear that, though.
1: Permiso que llegó Bam Bam. al temba por tumba, así cambia de mar. sopa timba para cambiar de sabor, de tu papa timba para cambiar de sabor.
0: we just heard two songs from the 2000 permiso que llego bamban album the album that actually won them a grammy so first we heard the title track permiso que llego bamban and then we went to uh temba tumba timba a really two very very exciting songs by the way mayito rivera singing on both of those he's become quite a um a well-known artist in his own right in Cuba. And there's so many important people. I also feel it's important to talk about this. So many important, well-known musicians in Cuban music went through Los Bamban. They were in that band. And it's been such this, this incredible kind of school of so many musicians that have gone on to be influential themselves. I mean... Really incredible what they've been able to do and how enduring their legacy and their music has been to the to the point where I mentioned I said this earlier, but they're still the most popular dance band in Cuba. And it really did show that their innovation and their willingness to break out of the box, to not be kind of held within the confines of uh, conventions really did pay off and really did show that you can do that. And I just feel that's, that that's incredible that they can, they were, they're so innovative. And at the same time, they keep that tradition. They don't abandon the tradition, but they also innovate. They continue to move forward. We're going to get to two more songs. El baile de voy a i just heard two incredible songs, El Baile de Boye Cansao," and then we moved on to a 2009 recording of Aquí el que baile gana, one of my favorite songs right now. It's such an exciting song, and their music is just, it's always so energetic, and so, it has such a driving rhythm, and that's what makes it so exciting. And I really think that no matter what you think of them, because they have received so much criticism over the years, uh, for a variety of reasons, many of those reasons political, I think no matter what you think, we have to look at what they've achieved, what they've done, and how they changed the face of Cuban music. They did so much innovation that is so important and that legacy will endure because... They made so many changes. They changed things in Cuban music that people thought were, that could not be changed. I mean, these were things that were so long-standing that people thought there's no way that you can do music, Cuban music and do what they, what they termed uh, a clave cruzado. And Los Pan, Pan showed that you could do that and you could still maintain tradition. They continue to show that and their music, in my opinion, will stand the test of time. Until next time, mi gente, con mucho, mucho cariño. Keep dancing, keep running your ancestors. Chao, mi gente. Dancing, keep honoring your ancestors. Con mucho, mucho cariño. Chao, mi gente. If you like that show, please don't hesitate to reach out to me and leave me a voice message on Anchor. There is a link up in the description. You can also reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Voice of the Water Lily or check out my blog, blog You can leave me a message on any of those platforms. Um, and please reach out. Let me know what you think of the show. If you have any suggestions, song requests, or anything, please reach out to me. And, um, also if I got something wrong and you want to correct me, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, and, uh, until next time, ciao.